This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. I look out my window and I see my neighbor, Doug. Poor, lazy, deplorable Doug. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and everyone wants to live my life. I mean, what can I say? I'm an influencer living fast and free, baby. You have to move fast if you want to win at the all-you-can-eat buffet down at the Sizzler. Today, we're talking about taking a proactive approach to how you spend your time, energy, and resources to design your own lifestyle. Give a big basement welcome to a woman creating her own adventure from the Ordinary Sherpa podcast, Heidi Dusek. Plus, the basement's resident lifestyle guru, the amazing racist Phil Keegan. Nah, He's too busy trying to find a connection in Ukraine. It's just Len Penzo. And our man who leads the movement to not live like anyone else, OG. But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share my well-assembled trivia question. And now, a guy who designs his life with lots of flair, it's Joe Salcihai. We're going to flare this holiday weekend for all of you because we've got a fantastic topic to lead you into Memorial Day weekend. Let's start off with the guy across the card table from me, the man ready to redesign Memorial Day, Mr. OG. What day is this? Friday? <laughs> yeah. What day are we? Yeah, what, I mean, what it's days? always vacation. The weekend has just started. You have no idea what day it is already. Yeah, well... <laughs> My weekend started yesterday. How many adult beverages it all have you had? together? <laughs> Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Who knows? And the guy who retired a few months ago, and that means that he has no idea that this is a holiday weekend either. Mr. Len Penzo's here. Do you have any idea that's holiday weekend, sir? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And, and I want to point out that you know I was talking with Doug here uh, just a little bit before the show, and uh, he mentioned that. Uh, his neck of the woods just got fiber recently, which I'm shocked because we've had total cereal and special K in where I live for decades. It's just kind of shock of to hear ah. that it took Doug so long to get fiber. God knows I need more fiber. It takes a while for it to hit the Midwest. Yes. And wondering what the hell she's doing here already. The woman who's <laughs> redesigned her life just to be here with us. Heidi Dusix here. How are you? I'm well, Joe. And I can't say any of your names. I don't know where you're from. So I can screw all kinds of things up and I wouldn't know what day it is still. It'd be, it'd be perfect. Well, you've designed your life so that every day's a holiday weekend, right? Correct. Absolutely. Well, tell everybody about the Ordinary Sherpa and what you've got going on. Yeah. We started a long time ago as adventurous parents. You know, there's not a lot of us and there's this like thrill in adventure that it's, everyone likes to think once you have kids, you got to settle down and it just didn't fit us very well. So we are currently, I have three kids currently on a gap year where that's what we're calling it, an intentional break from work and school to explore the country in an RV. But along the way, the brand Ordinary Sherpa has been around for a couple of years to inspire families to connect through adventure. So it's everything from... The simple backyard things to the highly adventurous things around the world, wherever you are. You're on my dad's shortwave radio right now, so we have no idea where you are. Where are you currently as you're talking to us? So I'm home for a week. We are from Northeast Wisconsin and decided we're making our way up to Alaska. It happens to be on the middle of the country. So we're stopping at home for a week and making our way to Alaska for the summer. We leave on next Thursday. Picking up the snowmobile suits? Yeah, why not? 
getting ready for July in Alaska in your snowmobile suits? <laughs> Pretty much. And the iPads, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to sleep this summer. <laughs> All of that. Well, we're talking lifestyle design with the lifestyle design expert herself. We got OG here who's designed his career. Uh, Len, who just finished up his career and is now designing the rest of his life. So, And of course, we got Doug. So uh, you know what, Heidi, though, before we get into this topic... We've got it. Doug's like, I'm just sitting right here. Oh, yeah, we got that. Uh, before we get into this topic, Heidi, we should probably talk to you about something. Have you heard like the rules of the road for this podcast yet? There's rules? Yes. Hold on. These, these are the rules. Okay. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Those might not have been rules, but those are pretty important, don't you think? Yes. Yes. We've got Heidi here, OG, Len, Doug. Let's get this party started. A piece today that inspired this is from the Fioneers. Heidi, do you know the Fioneers? I do. Is that how you pronounce it? I thought it was the Fioners. That's why I was like, I, I didn't even get it. <laughs> <laughs> Who is You've heard of Fiona and Shrek? You know Fiona from Shrek? That's what I was like. like, Well, the Fioners. I get it now. Okay, it's the the Fioners. The Fioners. Okay. Yes. They are traveling around. I think it's a Sprinter van that they're in. Yeah. And um, they're actually going to be coming to Mom's Basement in the fall. And they'll be hanging out here with us, which is pretty cool. Jessica, part of the Fioners duo, writes this. For much of my life, I followed the default path. At some points, I thought I was paving my own path. But in reality, I was doing... A lot of what I should do, or I was doing the opposite of what someone else told me I should do. Growing up, I did everything I was supposed to do. I got good grades in school. I played all the sports. I played various musical instruments. I was involved in the youth group. I did plenty of extracurricular activities and volunteering straight to college after graduating high school. Like she's just checking the dots, right? Heidi, we'll start with you. Like, where did you decide that this path, right? This parenting path that you explained here in the open wasn't for you and you were going to do something different. Was there some inflection point? Well, I had, I like to call it my quarter life crisis at 25. (laughs) So thankfully I did a little earlier before I decided to become a parent that, you know, I was, I did all those things too. I felt like I checked all those boxes and I was, had the perfect job and I was doing things the way I was supposed to. And I was like, this sucks this is not what I signed up for, right? I want to go play and I need more time off. And I I mean, it was at the point where I was scheduling my bathroom breaks. I'm like, this is it? This is what life is like, where was the warning on that note, right? I missed that one. Well, I just want to stop you for just a second, Heidi, because so I'm hearing this story. So the work sucks, the job sucks. I want to go play. So I decided to get married and have three kids. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to run the train right off the tracks. Yeah. 
Well, I thankfully, though, I started to act more like a kid because it was more fun, right? So I started saying yes to like, you know, like when seven-year-olds are like, hey, do you want to play on the playground? People are like, yeah, let's go play on the playground. So I took a seven-year-old mentality, and maybe that's why I ended up with a husband and three kids in the process. That's really cool. I had a mentor once who talked about, he gave a great speech called The Power of Being Five and about how when we were five, we wanted to be an astronaut or the president or, you know, whatever, some big dream. And now we want a 3% cost of living raise and maybe a little more money than we had last year and live in a, a, you know, a little whatever, you know, just these little tiny incremental things. You decided not to play by those rules. Yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Was your husband on the same path? Was he on the same? No. So you had to talk him into it. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the funny story about my husband is that he's kind of straight and narrow, hadn't traveled a lot, had never been on an airplane. Meanwhile, I had been traveling around quite a bit, but he had a Harley. So it was like the way to his heart was through his Harley. And one weekend, I think we'd only been dating a couple of months. I was like, we should go to Sturgis. So Sturgis, I'm in Wisconsin. Sturgis is like three states away. And he's like, well, I don't have a big enough mic. And I was like, oh no, this will be cool. Like, It'll be an adventure, right? We packed on the tent. We drove three states away for a weekend and came back. We left on a Wednesday night, came back on a Sunday night, and we ended up buying a bigger bike on the way. And I think that like sealed the deal. He was like, okay, I think I like this girl. (laughs) (laughs) There is another way to his heart, Heidi, but you know, the Harley's a good option too. (laughs) It works. Go with that. Wait a minute. You stopped halfway like in Minneapolis to buy a bigger bike to trade it in? No, we stopped in the Black Hills. Where I mean, we stopped once we got there. We ended up buying a bigger bike to ride home. That's fabulous. OG, I want to turn to you for a second in financial planning. You know, we're talking lifestyle design today, but what role does that have in a financial plan? Well, I, I mean, from a planning standpoint, you have to look at all the different angles here. And, and I think the biggest piece is, is that everybody thinks that the only way to be successful is to do the exact same thing all the time. Like she talks about here in her article, you know, doing all the things, checking all the boxes, but we have so much more time than what most people think. Most people think like, oh my gosh, I have to be doing these things by 30 and these things by 40. And and we've talked before about people who just start financial planning or just start thinking about retirement at 50. And the reality is, is yeah, it's going to be a little different, right? It's not going to be exactly maybe what you had hoped it would be. If you had started when you were 20, but that doesn't mean that your way is bad and somebody else's way is better. You got to do what makes you the happiest. And frankly, tomorrow's not promised to everybody. So you need a healthy balance, I think, between socking some stuff away for the future, but also living a little bit now. Len, I'm wondering with your recent lifestyle change, like thinking about lifestyle design and what kind of role it played in your career. And if you think even more about it now, like designing where you go from here. Yeah, great point because I do think about that more more now. I was like the lady who wrote the article there that in the beginning, I checked all the boxes. I wanted to do everything right according to the book, and I did basically. I just rode that all the way out to retirement. But now that I'm retired, now I am planning, okay, you know, what do I want to do? How I want to – actually, and I started it kind of before I retired to be honest. But I really started thinking hard before retirement, how did I want to spend out – the rest of my life, um, because that's very important, especially when you have, you know, you're going to have a finite amount of funds once you retire that you're not going to have that income coming in. So would you tell people though, that are younger than you, like hearing Heidi's story to get off that train earlier than you did? Like, do you feel like you did enough lifestyle design or would you've done it differently? You know, I don't think I would have done it differently. Of course, I'm, I'm a by the book kind of person. And maybe it's part of my engineering personality. I, there was a balance you know, I, we still made set aside time three, four weeks a year to go on cross country trips and go and do things and have fun with the family. And that was enough for me. I realized that might not be enough for everybody, but I, I, you know, I was satisfied. I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing for me. It was, it was fine. And I, I felt secure the whole way. Cause I knew, you know, I always had that income. The drawback, I guess, to kind of turning on and turning off is I think the income might be a little more iffy. Whereas if you're employed, you know, you know, hey, I've always got this job. Heidi, how do you reconcile that income streams? Yeah. So we have a couple of different strategies. One of the things I decided was different than Lynn is there was a couple of things that money wouldn't be able to replace. One of them was my health. One of them was my energy. 
Uh, so I'm in my 40s now. And I realized like, even as I was crossing certain milestones, I wasn't able to keep up with the lifestyle that I wanted. to, And I, it was probably going to diminish over time. So about five years ago, we put together kind of a financial plan to look at the different buckets that we could essentially establish a gap year fund that would be our income stream for the year that we were traveling. And we went into it with like this mindset that we can always go back to work. If And I don't see that as failure. I saw that as like, no, that was actually the plan. So it wasn't, you know, a lot of people in the financial movement space will say, well, early retirement, you'd be like failing if you had to go back for work. That's actually kind of our plan is when I'm kind of tired doing the adventure stuff, I'm going to go back and do more intellectual type work or wherever, you know, I'm, I'm cool getting a job. But I think once we had the mindset in place and we had that figured out of what we wanted it to look like or have an idea of what we were looking for and about when, then we could start putting the financial pieces into place. Well, and I guess Len talks about how he really liked what he was doing, so he wouldn't have done it differently. You clearly didn't like what you were doing, so you wanted to do it differently. Was it more about adventure or was it more about just feeling like you had control? Oh, yeah. I think it was a little bit of, of both, right? It's feeling like I am in control of my life. When I like started doing, a, you know, as Jess talks about in this article too, is, is working through some of the mindset of like, what do you actually want your life to look like? As opposed to accepting someone else's narrative, I wanted to be in control of what that narrative looked like for us. So for me, it was more like I, I had this mantra on my wall. Eh, mantra is a little woo-woo, but I had this statement on my wall. If someone said like, what do you want your life to look like? I just said, I want every day to feel like vacation, right? I just want to be happy, content in the moment. It wasn't even about where we were or what we were doing, but I just wanted to have the ability to do what I wanted to do on that day. And and do you feel like you're getting that? Is oh, it yeah. as good as you thought it was going to be? It yeah. is. It's pretty sweet. I'm not going to lie. And I'm past <laughs> the honeymoon phase, you guys. I actually didn't even realize it until I was at Economy earlier this year. And someone's like, so are you having fun? I'm like, it's like every day's a vacation. I was like, oh, that's what was on my wall. Like, that's what I wrote that one day. So it is pretty sweet. I... I don't know how we uh, we can talk about this later, but it was just kind of one of those aha moments where I was like, I actually am enjoying this. This is a sweet ride. One more question for you, Heidi. When it comes to design, how much of this is lifestyle, quote, design, and how much is spontaneous? Because I feel like for some of our planners, especially, you know, a bunch of money nerds listen to this show. We love Excel spreadsheets. Right. We could design the hell out of this and take out all the spontaneity. Yeah. So I think you just have to have enough of a boundary. So what's the minimum that you need to feel comfortable? And then you start playing within those spaces. So for us, having a reliable amount of money that we could plan on for the month was what was important to us. Now, we don't do all the things in all the places. It could be better. It could be different. But for us, we started testing okay, if we think it's going to be this, how long can we be gone? Are we going to miss home? Are our kids going to want to be around their friends? What is school going to look like? What is work? Do I want to have like intellectual connection? So once we figured out like what was the minimum viable lifestyle for us, that was enough. There's still enough spontaneity for us to say, what do you want to do today? But I would agree. Like you could plan this to death. And I think then you kill the entertainment value or the use, you kill the enthusiasm in the moment. Well, and on the financial planning side of this, OG, I'm thinking about, for me, if I were to take a gap year, go someplace, there's 50 things I want to do. Man can dream. If I can't do them. Oh. Right? If I, if I can't do them all, how do you help people decide when they've got two competing goals that they want to reach? I don't know that it's our job to really tell somebody which one is better. It's more to kind of game plan it out on both sides of it, you know, both goals and say, well, here's the path. You know, if you go down this way, here's what this path could look like here's what the path looks like this way, which one makes you happier? When we look at financial plans, one of the things that's really, I think, obnoxious about kind of the whole concept of financial planning and the, and we, I draw attention to how silly it is. Len, you've seen this, I think, you know, in your own planning, you know, you, if you run an Excel spreadsheet of like, okay, I've got this money, I'm going to take this money out, or I'm going to save this amount. It's going to grow at this rate. Now do it for 30 years. It goes, hey, great news. You'll have $100 million. And you're like, okay, that doesn't sit well with me for a lot of reasons, right? Like, A, what if it's $80 million? Have I failed? No. I think you've failed if you don't act differently along the way. You know, we get so tied up from a planning standpoint of going, I've got to do these things in this order or this particular way that we don't remember that it's okay to have permission on the other side to say, I'm good. I've got a million bucks or I've got 2 million bucks or I've got 500,000 or like whatever your number is, like that's good enough to do what you want to do. Now you can do other things 
with that excess money or that that excess time that you just freed up. So the pursuit of like just always having more from a planning standpoint is is kind of silly and it gets sillier if you extrapolate it out over your lifetime. You know, you don't really see it in those short one or two year numbers, but then you see like if I continue on this path, the math tells me I have a hundred million dollars. Like, okay, that's stupid. I need to do something different between here and there, unless you want to build a hospital or something. You know what, OG? Since I've been around long enough now to see how all this works, starting from in my 20s and going through my 30s, 40s, you know, now in my late 50s, and you think you're on a path, but there's so many things you can't foresee that happen, and it, those numbers go, they go up, they go down, like the market will crash, and then you thought you were just making bank, and you were going to be able to re- retire super early, and the market crashes, and then things kind of uh, set you back, but the key is just to keep pushing forward and don't think that the path you're currently on, it's just going to be a linear progression. It's going to, there's going to be ups. There's well, going to be not. downs. That's, that's the thing. You're right. It's not going to be a straight line, which is why it's so silly to do those 30 year, 40 year, 50 year projections, because you know, you may end up there, but Correct. it's not going to be that straight line. My point is when, let's say you're going up on a linear, nice, steady pace, and then your earnings, your, your retirement savings take a hit. That's when you start to doubt yourself. You might say, oh my God, you know, now I'm, now I'm failing. What have I done wrong? Well, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just the market's natural progressions of going up and down. Just what happens, and, right? You know, but, but we get trained into thinking everything's just linear, up, 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 up. When those times happen, don't panic. You're not doing anything wrong. Just stay the course and you know, it should work out. If you keep doing what you've been doing, it's going to work out almost all the time. I remember speaking to uh, Paul Merriman about this and the financial planner, radio show host on the West Coast. And and Paul talks about how he's flexible enough in his design and he spends a lot of time on design where, Len, to your point, if they're having a banner year with their portfolio, that's when he takes the trips that are to Asia, to Africa, to Europe. He goes around the world. And in years when the market's down, that's when they explore the Seattle area because there's, <laughs> there, there's a lot of things that, you know, within a driving distance of home that they've never seen. And he's like, I love both of them, but I just decided I'd let the market do it. Like how much time, Len, do you spend actually designing and reevaluating your design? I would think as an engineer, you spend a fair amount of time on that. Yeah. Well, I tinker, you know, I, you can't do it too often or you'll, you'll drive yourself crazy, but at least once a year, you know, I'll reassess what I'm planning, you know, what the plan is and, and uh, how I'm performing to the plan and if I want to make any changes. But, you know, I don't think you want to tinker it too often or you, you got to have, you know, you got to have some sort of certainty, at least in the short term where you're going. I mean, otherwise you're, you're not helping yourself at all if you're constantly changing things around. Before we go to the break, just one more question. Heidi, in Jess's piece here, she lists all the stages of people's life that they're on. Uh, some people going through debt freedom, some people on what she calls FU money, Coast Fi, a term I really hate, semi-retirement, full Fi or full FI. A lot of people think they have to be full financially independent to get there before they start to take this gap that you're taking. Are you fully financially independent or are you guys just taking a break? No, we're taking a break. Actually, I feel like I need to ask you, like, what's wrong with Coast 5? <laughs> I feel like there's a deeper therapy session there. Um, no, we are not fully financially independent. We are not even halfway financially independent. But what we did was we started to save with the intention of having a gap year fund. So we used some tools to help us fund essentially two years of living expenses. And then we stopped investing as hard in our retirement savings so that we could afford to do this. And then we have a side hustle on the side. So we're still making some revenue and we've cut our expenses a bit. So no, we are not fully fine. Oh, gee, on that note, I think a lot of people are afraid of that. I mean, Len talked about, you know, people get afraid of taking time off and then having to go back to the workplace. But I kind of feel like that fear is a little over- I don't know, that, that we worry about that more than we probably should. Like, I think if people want to do what Heidi's doing, more of us could do that. Yeah, I mean, there's two sides of it, right? The first side is doing nothing but saving and having so much money that you never run out and then have tons of extra, right? There's that side of the equation. There's also the side of not saving enough and having too much consumption. 
And I think we spend a lot of time thinking about, well, I'm not saving enough and I spend too much money, so I, I'm not saving enough. And therefore, I need to kind of keep focusing on this, which is probably true for the vast majority of people. But there is, does come a point in time from your savings and investing journey, especially if you start early, where you can get to the point where you have enough money so that your money will just do its thing. And you can say, well, now I don't need to make 200 grand anymore and save 75,000. I can just go make 125 grand and live the same lifestyle. I don't need to save anything because I've got a big enough bucket that it's going to compound and grow on its own. There's a risk with that. It's not risk-free to do that, of course. But if you're thinking about it from a planning standpoint, you can definitely get to a spot where you have enough resources where that bucket of money is going to keep on producing income or growing until you need it to produce income. I think that's a great place to leave this. The second half of this discussion, we're going to talk about where do you begin taking this lifestyle design journey? What are some of the biggest stumbling blocks where people get stuck? How often should you reevaluate the design and more? But before we do that, at the halfway point of every show, we have a trivia competition between our three frequent contributors, Len OG and Paulette, soon to be Paula Pant again, who's going to be back here in a couple of weeks now that her nearly one year break is over. So Heidi, you're playing on behalf of Paulette slash Paula, which means we have some good news and some bad news for you. Which one do you want first? Bad. Always bad. Well, the bad news is you're not winning. You're just tied for first as your team, team Paulette slash Paula slash Heidi today has six. You're tied with Len with six, and OG, the guy who's won two years in a row, has only four. So, Len, you're going to guess first because you were ahead of uh, Team Heidi last year, and OG, you are going to guess last. But we need a trivia question. Doug, what do we got this week, man? Well, Joe, here's today's trivia question. <laughs> that was stupid. Three, two, one. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Three, two, one. Thanks, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And since we're talking about design this day in history in 1927, history. My God, I'm not even drinking. I swear to God. <laughs> That's the issue. Need to be That's drinking. That's the problem, right. Greases everything up a little bit. Okay, here we go. Thanks, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And since we're talking about design, this day in history in 1927, Henry Ford watched the last Model T roll off the line after 19 years of production. The mother of all cars, Nick Tame. Nick Tamed. <laughs> Nick Tamed. <laughs> now, here's my worry. This is so bad. Joe's going to say, hey, Steve, leave all this. Oh, hey, Steve, put yeah, it. I know. I was just <laughs> thinking the same thing. I said, there's your outtakes. I'm just going to say, and then it's all going to get bleeped. Steve, there you go. Okay. Put it all in. I'm going to start right here. Three, three, two, one. The mother of all cars, nicknamed the Tin Lizzie, began production in 1908 and was the first mass-produced car, making it affordable to more people. My trivia question is, how many Model Ts were produced over the lifetime of the automobile's production? I'll be back right after I ask Joe's mom to assemble me the perfect Model T. You know, a BLT. <laughs> hey, Doug, thanks again for the very smooth trivia. Len, <laughs> you've got so bad. People have no idea how many takes that took, but he made it through it, which is what we're proud of. <laughs> Len, what do you think over the lifetime of the Model T? Lots of years in yeah, there. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, you know what? Hmm. That's a good question. I really don't know. I'm going to say, oh my gosh. I have it on good authority, Len. The number's higher than six. <laughs> I'm going to say five million. Five million. Heidi, you think that's uh, tall or not tall enough? I think that's a little tall. I would say 400,000. 400,000? Yes. So we've got 5 million and 400,000. OG, what do you think? I, I heard 4,000. I was like, oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Not that is a ridiculous guess, just a ridiculous spot that I'm in. Um, so 5 million or 400,000. 19 years, huh? That still is a big difference between those two. Yeah, no, I know. 
So <clears throat> you can just call me Captain Obvious right there. Yes, thank you. There's thank a you lot of that. numbers between those two, Al. <laughs> Here's a guy who, when he runs, he goes faster. <laughs> I'm trying to think about, like, if I remember anything about the initial year or anything like along the way, right? Like, you said it ended in 1927. Um, I feel like the U.S. population has done You're what, overthinking maybe it? Double since then. Oh, he never does that, Heidi. There's like maybe 150 million people. Five million would be 500,000 a year. It seems like an awful lot. No, it'd be 250,000 a year. Still a lot. It's 25, 20-ish thousand a month. They still had to do them by hand. So I think it's less than 5 million. So I guess I just have to pick 400,001 to be closest to... That's really uh, but so yeah, sadly, this is gonna suck. 400,001. Welcome to the show, Heidi. Yeah. So I've never got to do it before. Car I've never done course. it. Thanks. I'm always the one that has to pick first. So we're so happy you're here. <laughs> uh, we would like to tell you who won, who's gonna be the person who won. We will find out in just a moment. We'll be right back. And now, a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they can also be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. Oh, God. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. U.S. Cellular, a company that sells phones, wants us to put down our phones and to see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. Len, you kick this thing off with five million, and apparently Heidi and OG thought you are way overboard, man. <laughs> you are way overboard. How are you feeling? You know, I think I've, I've, I feel pretty good about this one. I really do. I think the Model T was like the world, you know, the most popular car in the world for a reason. So I feel good. Well, it was more popular than the horse by the end of it, <laughs> right? Not at the beginning. Heidi, you had 400,000. You feeling good? Well, I was until OG took one more. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? The good news, Heidi, if it's anything south of 400,000, you've got it. That is the good news. OG, how are you feeling? You've got, I'm, I'm not uh, going to get this math right while we're sitting here on air, but you're yeah, basically to two and a half million or so. Um, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I don't have a real good sense of how many cars there were back. Well, in I can't the- believe OG, I'm about to say this, but you know who does Doug. That is a weird <laughs> phrase coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Uh, Doug, who's going to get this uh, answer right? Hey there, stackers. I'm lifestyle goal setter and trivia titan, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And we're talking about the original affordable grocery getter, the Model T, which started being mass produced in 1908 by Ford. In addition to Model T and Tin Lizzie, it was also nicknamed the Leaping Lena. I dated a leaping Lena once. She almost got me into a few accidents. <laughs> so do you know how many tin Lizzie's were produced over the lifetime of the automobile production? Well, I will say this. OG and Heidi are colossally wrong. <laughs> like the, I can't even do the math on how wrong they are. Which, which means Len is way wrong as well. <laughs> Len is pretty darn wrong as yeah, well. Yeah, but. 
but he's less wronger. Less wronger. This is bad. Like a, a few months ago, we had what I thought was one of the worst trivia guesses by our esteemed esteemed panel. Oh my god, this is this is giving it a run for its money because over 15 million Model Ts were built from 1908 to 1927, which means Len, who was only ridiculously off by 10 million, is today's winner. Thank you. There Thank you is. very much. Mr. Penzo brings home another victory. That gives him nine. And Doug, that means he's he's now got a commanding lead over OG. Nine? What, you don't think three's a commanding lead? Wait. I don't I think he has seven. nine. <laughs> oh, yeah, seven or now. seven. Whatever. <laughs> he has Plus. a he has a one one run lead <laughs> over Paula and Paula. I would request that the committee refer to me henceforth as the two time winner. <laughs> Two-time consecutive winner, OG. Well, then I, I asked this. I asked for the same thing because I was a two-time consecutive winner before you. So I, w- I would like to be called the first consecutive two-time winner. He's the OG All right. consecutive winner. All right. I would like Len henceforth to be known as the two-time consecutive loser to OG's two-time consecutive winner so far. Why don't we stop bragging about who's the bigger two-timer and get on with this thing? <laughs> Welcome to the second part of this podcast where we're going to dive back into lifestyle design. Second half of this shindig is brought to you by depositaccounts.com. Heidi, you know what happens when you go to depositaccounts.com? What happens when you go to depositaccounts.com? I should probably say it right first. <laughs> that's 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 all right. It's not like we could leave that one in there, not like the 15 takes Doug had to have to get through the trivia. <laughs> Burn. We were pretty wow. close there. At depositaccounts.com, you find that those checking and savings accounts that you have at a brick and mortar bank, probably not best in class. There are tons of online banks and they're all rated at depositaccounts.com. So whether it's your savings account, your checking account, CD rates and more, head to depositaccounts.com, which Len Penzo learned last week is the sister site to Magnify Money. Len was getting all indignant. What happened to Magnify Money? Well, I thought they ripped them off. That's what I thought. I was, you know, I, I felt for Magnify Money. I'm Got a kinship with those guys. He's got he's got a track record of magnify money. We go back, we go way back. Hey, let's uh, move forward. So let's talk about this, Heidi. I want to start with you. Beginning this process, where did you guys begin? Where did you say, you know what, time for us to live a little differently? Yeah, yeah. I think there's been a couple different iterations of this work, and the first one was probably. <laughs> couple years ago. I'm going to sound like a major geek, but this will fit your audience just perfectly. So I was trying to figure out like what metric I made it to the top. I had like the the (laughs) dream job, so to speak. And I was like, yeah, this isn't all that fun anymore. So I wanted to figure out how to add a little more fun to my life. So we did a joy audit in our family. And uh, it was pretty simple. Actually, we would just started keeping track of like, what were the things we thought were going to bring us joy? How much did it cost? How much money did it or how much time did it take? How much money did it take? And then like 30 days after the, like, doesn't don't I sound weird here? But 30 days afterwards, like, did we still remember that thing? Because a lot of times you have this like, you know, when you spend money, you feel good. And all of a sudden, like 30 days later, you forgot you did it. You even didn't even remember that was in your closet or wherever you bought it in your garage. So I was trying to keep track of what were the things that actually sustained us and, and kept us happy for a long period of time. And it was actually pretty simple. They were very simple things. It was mostly, you know, spending time with my kids. My husband and I would play laser tag instead of going to the movie, you know, just different things that we started to realize it wasn't necessarily how much money we spent. Sometimes it was helpful if we spent more time together, but it was really these simple adventures. And so we started to figure out like, how can we do more of that? So that's kind of where phase one really started was just this awareness building and tracking all of our joy in the family. It sounds like Len, like almost setting up an engineering process is kind of, it's kind of the place that you start. <laughs> well, <laughs> why not? Right. I mean, it, what, what Heidi's explaining here is she, she's, she's, it's inf- it's all about information and taking down everything that she knows about herself to make an informed decision. And, uh, I mean, it makes perfect sense. Actually it's, it's well, it's, it's a great, it's, it's excellent. It's an excellent idea actually. And OG, you and I talk on the show about starting with the end in mind. I mean, clearly here then, I imagine you're going to say you gather up the assets then and see how they see how they fit. 
Yeah. I mean, once you have an idea of what makes you happy or what, what it is that you want to do, then you have to decide whether or not you have the resources to be able to do those things. And then I guess the next part of that is if not, then how long do you want it to take to get to the spot where you want it to get to? And, and for some of us, we have a lot of, uh, of excess, I should say in our, in our spending and livelihood, right? We just, uh, I was talking to a client a, a couple of weeks ago and they had gone from earning 75,000 10 years ago to 300,000 today. Wow. Pretty good, right? I mean, some pretty good increases over, over the course of a decade. And yet they still felt like it was a really tight cash flow situation. And, and that only happens in by looking forward, not looking backward. When you look backward and say, oh, geez, I used to make 75 grand and I was totally fine. I mean, I could have probably had more, you know, gone out to eat a little bit more or something. That would have been nice. But you're not eating $225,000 worth of going out to eat. You know, there's there's a little bit of that. The rest of it is just life just kind of unintentionally happening, which I, which I think uh, Heidi explained is a really great idea to go through and say, you know, does this really... Does this really, um, you know, mean as much as I think it does? I heard something the other day that I thought was a really good idea was a, a spending, um, a sp- like a spending journal. So write down the thing that you're going to buy and how much it costs and, and all of the stuff associated with like how great it is to buy this new thing, whatever it is, but just put it in the shopping cart and don't buy it and then buy it seven days later. And so seven days from now, go back to your journal and say, what's on, what's, what am I supposed to buy today based on from seven days ago? And then you read it and go, eh, eh, it was a, eh, not super important or it was, it is. And seven days later you buy it. And so it's just, uh, just putting that little space between, between, uh, uh, the, you know, to borrow some more Stephen Covey stuff, he said, beginning with the end of mind, it's put a little bit more space between that stimulus and, and the response that you have. Heidi, where did you guys uh, uh, mess it up? If you could go back and get to the point that you're at right now with lifestyle design, if you could get there quicker, what would you do better? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I think we sacrificed some of our early joy for higher returns financially. You know, so we felt like we had to put in more time, more energy in making money than we did just in enjoying life. So I sometimes look back at my you know, first five years in leadership going, gosh, I don't think I want to work that hard anymore. But it was worth it for us, you know, to get the next bump up. And so I'd probably look back and say, I wouldn't do that as much. Does that, I would have been lazier. Does that make sense? (laughs) But I also think, you know, I didn't know a lot of the tools that were available. So if we could go back and if I have known, you know, when I left college that there were tools available where we could put money aside. So we have a deferred compensation fund that we can use. And I was like, well, if I would have known that tool was available, I would have started putting money into that first before I put it into my retirement savings. Maybe, maybe not. But like, I didn't necessarily know all the asset classes or the tools that were available to us and how they functioned. So I think maybe even looking back, knowing what we wanted to do and and finding the tools earlier. I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but those are probably some of the things that I can't ever fathom spending a full price on anything anymore. <laughs> so I do think if I ever spent full price on anything, that also feels like uh, that just like eats me to my core. It's interesting because what I, I kind of heard you say is you would have started earlier first. I would have begun this journey sooner and then know the tools better. Mm-hmm. Let, let's go from your perspective. Now that you're designing, how often do you see yourself with your retirement design reevaluating that design? Like you and the honeybee, is this going to be, you're going to look at what you're doing every six months? Or are you going to do a joy audit like Heidi's talking about? What do you see in your future? No, I think, uh, well, right before I retired, we, we came up with a number for spending uh, per month um, for mad money or, or money that on top of what we are, our living expenses. And let me point out also that as, as Heidi's pointed out, it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. I think we all believe we, we spend more than we need to have more income than we really do. Um, I mean, Heidi found out when she was young at a younger age that, hey, she really didn't need that extra money. And at retirement, I was shocked at how little income our household really needs to get by. And that was great. And so it really comes down to how much discretionary income we have in retirement right now. And I've 
right now, our, I'm, our limit right now is, is about a thousand, twelve hundred dollars a month in discretionary income. And so far, that's been working out really well. As a matter of fact, we've been working very hard. We were spending, we were spending, if you can believe this, up to a thousand dollars a month just on Amazon before I retired, just because we weren't worried. We, we had enough money, you know, it was like, didn't matter. Oh, you want something from Amazon? Just pull it off of there. And we have cut back. Problem with Amazon too, Len, is that it doesn't tell you what you're buying. Like you have to like really search through it to like get grain. Like if you charge everything on your Amex card, you can sort it by like AT&T and, you know, direct TV and the water bill. And then you get to Amazon. It's like a thousand a month. And you're like, but what was that? Was that a thousand a month of like groceries? Was it a thousand a month? Yeah. You have to go through your orders on it. You do. You have to go through your orders. Then you have to go to your order history and then look through it again. You know, it's like. Which is a brilliant strategy, by the way, if you're Amazon. But, I mean, that was a huge money leak for us. Though. It was Amazon. So, but, And once I retired, we focused really hard, and we brought that number way down. I mean, I think last last month, I think we, we were we were under $100. And I know the honeybee, she, when she saw she saw the bill for our Amazon, she was like, wow, we really, you know, we really, we're really doing good because we've, we've, we've identified what our discretionary monthly spending is, and we've worked hard at it. And, and the bottom line is now we, you know, I, right now my plan, I guess, to answer your question, Joe, I know I've gone off, but it, it's once a, once a year, I think at this rate, because we're doing so well and, um, I, you know, it doesn't make, there's no need for us to, to keep evaluating every month at this stage or ever six months even. In this piece down near the bottom, Jess talks about uh, being part of a supportive community helped her dream bigger. She realized she was dreaming too small. Heidi, have you found that, that having a community of people that are that are taking a similar journey helps you? Yeah. One of the reasons I have named my podcast Ordinary Sherpa was because I wanted to be inspired by people that were ahead of me, but I also knew that there was something about what I was doing that was going to inspire others. Or even like push them from behind a little bit to like get them to the top of the mountain, so to speak, if you want to use that metaphor. So I have found, you know, I always, I like to be the person in the room that's not, they always say like, don't be the smartest person in the room. I always love hearing adventure stories of people that are doing crazy things ahead of me or differently than me than what I've already done. And when I start to feel like, okay, I'm the person telling all the stories, like I need a new room to get into or I need to advance my crowd or upgrade my people. <laughs> that sounds arrogant. I didn't mean it like that. I meant like, I need, I don't want to be the <laughs> highest of the average. I want to, you know, like, <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to make sure that there are, pe- like, should we just like restate this? Let me think. How do I get out of this? No. What I think you're talking about here is what we all need throughout you know, our whole life, which is we want to be able to like see the next thing and have the motivation and the person that's just in front of us that we can go, okay, I think I can do that. I think I can do that. And then there's all the fear and excitement and all the cool emotions that go with kind of striving for whatever that is. But then we also want to make sure that we're pulling other people behind us as well. Then, like you said, if all of a sudden all you're doing is pulling people, then you get kind of tired of that and bored of it. And you're going, well, what else is there for me? You know, that's not selfish. That's like, how do I stay engaged and motivated in this, in this space? And then by the same token, if all you do is look at all the stuff on Instagram that you don't have, then, then you have that emotion too of like, well, I'll never be any of those things. So it's important to kind of be somewhat in that middle. That's a insightful way of naming your podcast and thinking about it. That's pretty cool. And that really resonates with me too, OG, because this journey that you and I have been on and Doug, you too, with with this podcast has been wild. And the people we talk to that are doing things that I would have never thought about doing before we started this. Like I thought at the beginning of this podcast that we were going to be talking about money. And instead we're talking about these wonderful stories and people doing all this kick-ass stuff. I remember when Cheryl said she wanted to, you know, do this thing where we would move all the time. And I said, let's sell our house and all our stuff. I would have never said that. I would have never said sell everything before this podcast. Like it clearly is cool having that community. And I love the idea of pulling other people too, about showing other people that, that yeah, you can do it too. I want to ask uh, uh, one more question. It's funny because Len, I want to go back to you for a second. You know, you're not doing something where you're taking a gap year like Heidi is, and you had, you know, a very traditional career before your retirement. And yet I feel there's a lot of lifestyle design going on there too, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be, if, if somebody's listening, I think, and they're thinking, I got to take a gap year and take my family to Alaska uh, in an RV. Like, like I think they might've gotten the wrong message here today. 
Well, I, I guess if you're talking about, I mean, you can explore and do things without those gap years. I mean, not to the degree that Heidi's doing it, but, you know, you can still have fun and get out there and do things. Uh, you know, you can go on vacations. I took some three and four week vacations all through my career. It's possible. Even without that, this is just a really little thing. I think it could be small things like uh, Cheryl and I in this park where we run all the time, they have a disc golf course. So about a year and a half ago, we bought some discs and just tried it out for the first time. No idea what we're doing. In fact, we still suck at it today. But guess what we found out we really like? We love, like, that's a great date afternoon for us is going and doing it. So I think this idea of just experimenting and trying new things, Len, like it doesn't have to be a month off of work. It can just be a random Thursday afternoon where you're experiencing some lifestyle design instead of doing the same stuff. Sure. I mean, it could be anything. I mean, going concerts in the park or whatever and, and making a, a, you know, a weekly day out where you're not uh, spending a lot of money doing things. There's lots of options that, that are available that don't cost money. And, uh, you know, now that I'm retired, I'm finding lots of those too. We have, we went out, out to the river, but I live in California, folks. So there's only one river. It's the Colorado River. So when I say the river, that's where we're going. The gonna, river. <laughs> it is the river. So we went out to the river with some friends and we just hung out and had a good time on the river and it, in the evening played cards and it didn't cost a whole lot of money. We had a great weekend and it was like a vacation. It didn't really cost us much of anything. You were talking about disc golf. I have to say, I believe I invented it. I was playing Frisbee golf before there were Frisbee golf courses. When I was a kid, I invented oh. that game myself. I invented You're such it. a hipster. No, I, I invented that game when I was like 10 years old. And, and we used to play Frisbee golf. We'd, our targets wouldn't be those fancy baskets. They'd be like trees or stop signs and stuff. But we used to – I had Frisbee golf courses in my neighborhood. I should have patented yeah. that, and, and uh, I could have made That's a fortune. That's called a bad aim. <laughs> it is called a bad aim. <laughs> no, I was aiming at the cop car. I was aiming at it, I swear. That's where we wanted to, that to go, yeah. I think that's a, I think Uncle Len's story is a great place to end this. It's just a nice like campfire story there at the Actually, end. I do have something to add to that, if that's okay. Go, Heidi, go. <laughs> no, I do think between both of you saying that often we have this idea that our adventures have to be these grandiose things, you know, that retirement is going to be this huge thing that you've waited all your life for. And I think there's two things that really helped us get to Gap Year. And that was our gap year is based on a million simple adventures. It's like the foundation of what we're doing every day is very simple things in our own quote unquote backyard. We're exploring a new park. We're trying new ice cream place. We're seeing a new museum just in a different location. And I think the second piece of that is that an adventure doesn't have to be big and bold to be an adventure. It's just getting you outside your comfort zone. So in many ways, I think lifestyle design is about testing things that make you just a little bit uncomfortable. Or doing things that make you comfortable, like inventing Frisbee golf. <laughs> and getting ripped off and not getting the money for it. <laughs> not getting it, it. It should have been called Penzo golf. That's what he's angry about. He could have slapped his name on it. We could have all been going out you know, to the my park. Babysitter, for a my babysitter was a world Frisbee champion, Cindy Birch. Cindy Birch, ladies and gentlemen, look at it. She was my babysitter. She was a world Frisbee champion. She was your babysitter, like when you were she a kid? She was my babysitter when I was a, a little kid. Yeah. A wee lad? <laughs> Just a wee lad. Could you imagine how much would you have to get paid to babysit Len Penza? Holy crap. Like, I would, I'd, I'd be going to Len's parents asking for a big old raise at the, the end of that. I'm like, I can't babysit that kid. I bet you were a hellion, Len. <laughs> Do you really think so? No, I don't no, think I so. Wasn't. I'm just giving you no. <laughs> yes. Life was a teddy bear. No, but we made you feel good there for a second. We, we did, yes. All right. I think that's a place to end it. Let's find out what you guys are all doing this beautiful holiday weekend. Memorial Day in America. Uh, days called Saturday and Sunday elsewhere around the world. But OG, what do you got going on this, this holiday weekend? Kids are out of school. A little bit of golf, I think. A little reflection on Monday. And then, uh, you know, just continuing to hang out with my parents and in-laws that are here for like two weeks, which is awesome. <laughs> I thought I didn't hear the two words there, heavy drinking, but, but it was implied. It was implied. It's a constant state. It's, it's really not heavy. <laughs> it's when it's all the time, it's just more like a malaise. It's like, it's like, a, you know, when it rains and it just rains a lot 
and it's not really heavy rain. It's just always raining. That's it's my... always monsoon season in OG's liquor cabinet. <laughs> it's it's almost like the, the like the Model T production line, just slowly moving. It ends in your mouth. It's like yeah, with the four hundred one thousand cars or. 15 million. So whichever. confused about what's happening here. Yeah. But yeah, it's somewhat like that, I guess. We'll have our guest of honor go last. And what's going on this weekend at limpenso.com? Hey, we look at 12 good reasons why you should pay off your mortgage and 12 good reasons why you should not. Dun, dun, oh, dun. let the battle begin. Yes, let it begin. The, it's probably the biggest question in all of personal finance. And you'll only find the answer at lenpenzo.com. Yeah, that's the only place you'll find that answer. Yes, absolutely. Heidi, thank you so much for coming to this very short recording session. Thank you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. How do you like that stage presence? Yeah. <laughs> what well, nice job. Wow, she's yes, a good liar. For people uh, <laughs> that uh, don't know, because you're listening to this all duct taped together later, this took us a week to finish this uh this thing but somehow we're we're bringing it to the end but what's going on at the ordinary sherpa tell us one thing that you haven't announced anywhere yet like what is the big hot reveal for ordinary sherpa we can tell all the stackers about today that means i actually have to do it no i am actually i have a course launching this summer called metrics of thriving to really help people unveil essentially what their joy is and how they can design a life that's more adventurous that's probably the biggest thing, but I am I'm excited. I don't know if I can even share this publicly, but I'll tell you guys. Don't tell anyone. We'll <laughs> um, tell nobody. I am going to be working alongside Jonathan Mendoza of uh, Choose FI to help people advance their business through podcasting. So I have learned a lot of my podcasting through him, and so he and I are working out together to to help other people do some podcasting and extend their business. Awesome, fantastic! Sweet. And where are they going to find that? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> We have no idea yet, uh, <laughs> but just go follow ordinary Sherpa. Be- <laughs> that is good. I think that um, I think if they go to ordinary Sherpa, they'll find out sooner or later. I think you just got to get the marketing piece of that down, Heidi, and you'll be good. Everything will be fine. <laughs> That's Jonathan. Jonathan's in charge of that. <laughs> so she throws him <laughs> under the bus, right? <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, everybody. I know on a holiday weekend, I hope you all have a great, safe holiday weekend. This is obviously uh, a big weekend for us, having so many people that are involved with with the military and a great time to remember people that uh, went before us. So I hope everyone has a fantastic holiday weekend and um, be safe out there if you're on the roads. Doug, you've got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first in the buffet of life, take some advice from our panel. Don't try to eat everything life offers. Create a lifestyle that aligns with your values and priorities and ignore that distracting green jello at the end of the buffet. Second, when you're designing your ideal lifestyle, be sure to determine how much money is required to cover your most basic living needs. But the big lesson, not everyone has what it takes to follow the buffet lifestyle I've built for myself down at the Sizzler. You need a strong stomach to combine chocolate pudding with fried shrimp. Oh, that reminds me of a girl I dated after Leaping Lena. Thanks to, I'll let you guys do the math on that. Thanks to Heidi Dusek for joining us today. You'll find her podcast, The Ordinary Sherpa, wherever you're listening to us right now. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihat. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of The Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. 
Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Holiday weekend means lots of holiday travel. And I'll bet you guys have had some uh, doozies, I would imagine, as mom calls them. Doozies during your travels. Anybody have any uh, OGs nodding his head? OG, some uh, some eventful travel stories? Well, we've we, our biggest things are, you know, driving from Texas back to Michigan. You know, we moved 10 years ago now, so the boys were four and six when we moved and now they're 16 and 14. So a lot different experience now. Uh, Caroline wasn't even born. So, you know, that's a whole different thing, but I remember driving home. I don't know where we were, maybe Illinois somewhere. It was in the middle of the night and Alex wasn't feeling well. And so we literally were sitting on a parking, you know, like on a parking, uh, what's that concrete thing called where you drive to and park at parking garage. No, 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 no. Like the little, the little parking stop thing. Like every parking lot has like, you know, a parking space that you put your car in between. Yeah, But then there's a big concrete thing at the end, whatever the hell it's called. Anyway, we were sitting on it and just sitting there for like two hours because you didn't feel good. And I'm like, what are we doing? We can advance the vehicle while not feel like you can feel bad now, or you can feel bad while we're driving. Like either way, you are going to feel bad. So let's just go <laughs> feel like crap while advancing toward our goal. <laughs> and uh, that was pretty crappy. And then on the other side of that was the time we left Houghton Lake six in the morning, East coast time drove and, and, you know, and you've done this trip, Joe, I know. So you know what it's like those last several hours where you're just like a zombie and we're, oh, yeah. we're pulling into, uh, you know, wherever Oklahoma for, for, you know, the sun starting to set. And my boys are like, 
you can make it, Dad. You can make it. Go, go, go. I'm like, it's five more hours. They're like, go, go. And I'm like, just let me have a Holiday Inn Express for a few hours. Like, you can make it. You can make it. And and we drove. We drove all the way straight through. And they just really wanted to get on Xbox. That was their. There was no safety considerations of any kind. It was. Oh, Fortnite's <laughs> dropping a new a new map tonight at midnight. So if we could be if we could be home by midnight, that would be swell, Dad. It gives so. the phrase Xbox or die a whole new <laughs> it's totally did. connotation. You know. But we made it. We made it. Heidi holiday travel. Yeah, I have a couple. I have a lot of them actually, but I'll uh, I'll share two in particular. So one year I, we had three kids, a dog, and we go mo- camping with friends every Memorial Day weekend. We've done this forever, like since before we were even married. And it rained nonstop, like literally downpoured. And there's three kids, a dog, and my husband and I in a tent, no less. And I finally looked at my husband. And I was like, take me to Walmart or we're getting a divorce. <laughs> so that, um, thankfully, we got a camper after that. <laughs> um, but I would say the more uh, dramatic bad travel story was... Uh, a couple of years ago, we were, we are huge, like mountain biking and, and my daughter, who's like the most domicile child ever, like she's so whatever, cautious and careful is always the one that gets hurt. So we were mountain biking in Palo Duro Canyon in Texas and, um, like just parallel to a Creek and she went off the ledge into the Creek, broke both arms, like both wrists and needed oh. surgery on her elbow. Oh, yeah. so that was fun. Not so fun, but. That was probably the craziest because that was on December 31st. And if you don't know, your health insurance premiums like start over on January 1st. So we got two deductibles under our belt with one fun accident. And then we had to like figure out how to get home with two. She ended up having surgery and was in the hospital for a couple of days. But that's when I learned how to manage. Like if you get hurt out of state, I got this figured out way before my gap year even happened. Yikes. You could do a course on that. You could have a course. on If you break both your wrists. If Paladuro Canyon, well, oh, my, that's, that hurts. That's bad. Mr. Penzo, how about you? You break both your wrists? Well, when I was, I'll give another one of my stories from when I was a kid. You know, you get old, you have lots of stories <laughs> like this. But my dad, God rest his soul, had a buddy who had bought a nice RV, one of those big, I mean, I don't know how many feet long that thing was, but it was nice. It had the kitchen, the the living area, and the, oh my God, it was beautiful. So my dad borrowed it from his friend so we could go on a vacation up to Northern California. This is from, we're in Southern California. And we were going to go visit the Redwoods and all those things, live in the RV as we're going up there with my dad's buddy's RV, which was really nice of my dad's buddy, by the way, I mean, to, to loan him that, but it was for a week. It was going to be a, a week, week-long trip. Well, we zip on up to Northern California and we get on this really windy road and the road's getting tighter and then the narrower and the turns oh, no. are getting sharper and we're in this big old long RV. Well, we turn one corner and there's a rock kind of sticking out, you know, just an outcropping and my dad, the RV hit that outcropping at the very near the front, and it just peeled that RV like a sardine can. <laughs> Complete, the entire side of that RV was open to the world by the time it was all <laughs> over. And uh, that, needless to say, I think it was day two of the trip, and that was the end of the trip. And we immediately uh, had to turn around, come all the way home. And my dad had to obviously tell his friend what he had done to his nice RV. Right after the accident, we came, my dad found a a gas station. You know, we're sitting there, we're open to the elements out there. You can't imagine the whole side of that RV was so. They asked this guy at the gas station, hey, can you help? You know, what are we going to do? And, you know, they got some rope and tied some. This little rope all the way across the length of the RV so guardrail. to protect us in the back yeah, so we guardrail. wouldn't fall out. Yeah, so we wouldn't fall out <laughs> on the way way home. Needless to say, that was the probably the, one of the worst days of my dad's life. I thought it was kind of cool, actually. You know, I was 10 years old, so I thought it was kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, my dad was sick the whole way. And, uh, so you just push it off the canyon, right? Just just kids, get out. Just <laughs> yeah, get out. <laughs> call your buddy up and just be like, you know bad what? news. That probably been a good idea. Bad news. <laughs> Somebody stole the RV, left us on the side of the road with all our stuff. Sorry, officer. I don't know what happened. I was accosted by someone. I stopped, and this man just promptly took the car and RV and drove it off the cliff. They stole it. 